Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on a Tuesday afternoon. This is Snap Judgments. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward, and Ohio State is getting ready, as you can see, to beat IU. That is their goal Saturday at noon in the Horseshoe. Ryan Day and Jim Knowles uh, have concluded their weekly press conference. The only two coaches to speak, the head coach of the team and the head coach of the defense, uh, gave us 55 minutes of insight. Bill, mm -hmm. where should we begin? I think people probably would like us to begin with the, the run game okay. and uh, what they're going to do to make it better. Um, I don't know. The, the the talking points are a little bit different this week, I, I, I think. R last week, Ryan Day sort of, I don't know, deflected a little bit. And, and I think this week maybe owned it a little more. Not not just him personally, but sort of the entire operation, um, particularly in short yardage situations. Um, it's a major talking point for them all, all offseason. And there was a time in the season where I felt like they had it figured out and they clearly don't because the last three games uh, it has not gone particularly well for them, um, and they're they're trying to address it with I think a lot of things. It's play calling, it's execution up front, it's health and execution at running back. So like there's not just one answer, um, which I think um, kind of compounds the frustration for fans and also for people in this building. You'd like there to be one answer, but when you yeah. as a program, like I think there's still this part of like Ohio State fan identity, you know, that is tied so closely to Woody Hayes and the three yards in the cloud of dust. And now it's like three tries and you can't get a yard if you must. <laughs> so oh, like, I like that. That, that, is, a, like that, that. is a problem. Did you just make that up? Yes. <laughs> but like that is a problem. <laughs> that, is a, that is a problem. And it's not something that you can just, you know, throw away and say, oh, well, we're, we're, we're just, hey, we have too many guys in the box. It doesn't matter. Ryan Day said it today. If there's 50 guys in the box and you need one yard, you have to get it if you're Ohio State. You have an offensive line that's gigantic. You have running backs that are uh, quick and, and strong. You have everything that you need to do that, except for what I think got touched on today just briefly, and that's just attitude. I just don't think that they have the the attitude of going to the line and saying, I'm going to beat the guy in front of me. And and I see that with Paris Johnson. see it with Dewan Jones at most times. But in the last three weeks, there's been a different like aura around the interior of the line. And I think it's clear when you watch what happens on Saturdays. I think the most telling part of that is not necessarily that every time you have to go out there on third and one and get it on the ground. Like you think that Ohio state should, and a lot of people believe that I, that's fine. Like some of this is the, the push and pull with building an offense that is virtually unstoppable in perfect weather conditions, especially if you're talking about being in Indianapolis or potentially Phoenix or LA, uh, or yeah, I used to live in Phoenix. Is that right? Mm. Yeah. Like if you get in that situation, guess what happened when they had third and one, they threw to Chris Olave from Justin Fields for a touchdown or fourth and one, like they can get in that situation when they have the full complement of their offense available and you don't know if they're going to run it on third and one. Well, good luck trying to stop Ohio state. I, I certainly understand if we're talking about November 26th and if it's getting difficult outside, that we saw it in the first drive of the second half last year against Michigan, uh, and we've talked about it now for three weeks in a row, that when it's cold and nasty, you're going to have to have the attitude and the scheme and the blocking and everything else to get that done and healthy running backs. Like, all for that. I just, I think that, and Ryan Day was asked specifically about that, the idea of having to build an indestructible, uh, not indestructible, can be destructed in bad weather, but an unstoppable offense when you put it in a, conditions like this, how do you switch gears when it's not perfect? And that's, I think, sort of been the struggle. That's why, I mean, I mentioned it after the Iowa game that I thought that there were times in that game when you could see Ryan Day sort of 
pushing back his own preference in that situation to to do a play action or to do something you know do some bootleg where you throw it and pick up the first down that way and you, it has felt like they are trying to force this offensive line to do better uh, and to force these running backs to hit the hole quicker. And so they just keep trying it over and over and over. And I think that's where it feels extremely frustrating is because you don't have to do that. They didn't have to do that on Saturday. They could have done a number of other things than just run Mayan Williams right into the teeth of the yeah, defense exactly. two times yeah. in a row. Mm-hmm. They're doing it on purpose. And then the execution is poor. And that is a problem. So it's just like, it's like, Who's to blame here? I think that's my, my my point is like they can do so many other things. And once you saw CJ Stroud pulling the ball and running himself, or even an element of like quarterback power, like the the bootleg stuff, or a Mecca on jet sweeps, I I feel like I'm a broken record about that stuff. But like if the things that they're doing specifically to the running game that they're trying over and over and ramming their head into a wall aren't working. They can do other things yeah. that would translate to bad weather. Certainly. Uh, I mean, they their first four, I think it was four, three or four short yardage plays, um, I think one of them worked. Three of them did not work. And then when they were in, in a position where they could potentially score and it was fourth and one again, guess what? They didn't try to just run it in the middle of the defense with Brian Williams. They had C.J. Stroud pull it on his own read. So I think they are trying to work through stuff. I think they are forcing the issue. Um, I think I, I said it on the daily on Tuesday. The last ten times they've been in third and two or shorter, they've run the ball. Um, I think I, Ryan Day would like to have more balance in those situations, but he's also trying to cultivate something with this offensive line that, frankly, maybe just isn't possible. Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe it'll come back to haunt them. Maybe it won't. But I think also in a big game like the Mission game or whatever's going to come down the road, they're probably going to have more balance there and throw it a little bit too. And I think that we're learning. And, and Ryan Day spoke on it on Tuesday. Like they don't feel entirely confident beyond five offensive linemen right now. And if they did... I don't know if they feel I, confident I feel, I feel right, it might differently be, about might that be, today. It might even be four. I don't know. I mean, I'm I just I'm wondering right now if the... You know, Josh Fryer had a, had a major knee injury in the spring, and so he's not been 100%. Enoch Lamahi's played well when he's got out there, but for whatever reason, they just don't feel like we can put these other guys out there. So I wonder how much of that is pass protection. Because Matt Jones, for his struggles in the run game, has been a pretty good pass protector. I, mm, this was asked about Matt Jones specifically today, and I, I thought that was the closest maybe indication today from Ryan Day that like the person he talked about the most to potentially address that would be Josh Fryer. Mm-hmm. We've seen him as the sixth guy wearing that number forty-one. Um, the way he talked about him and the recovery process and getting back out there, to, uh, full speed, full go, uh, all that stuff. It, it certainly seemed like he was about ready to try that this week. Um, Bill, I know that you you asked and followed up about that. Um, I don't know. It seemed to me, based on his answers, that it would be Josh Fryer, then he knocked the mahi, and maybe that he doesn't have to, that maybe Josh Fryer doesn't have to wear the number forty one, which makes it difficult for him to run on the field and fill in at guard. I don't know. He didn't he didn't say this is definitely going to happen one way or another, and I didn't expect him to. But I think that they know, especially because of the uh, foot situation for Matthew Jones, that probably got to consider some other options here before you get to the end of the month. Yeah, I mean, he, Ryan Day said they're playing their best five, and I, th- I think they're playing their best five too, but I also think you need to try to get Matthew Jones some rest here, maybe even get Donovan Jackson some rest as well. And and the, it might sound counterintuitive, I guess, to what we've seen, because every time they had to run a guard onto the field, it's been Enoch Dumahi. Well, Josh Fryer cannot do that when he's wearing number 41, and 
to take that jersey off of a large man. Those are your tight. Yeah, it's it's difficult to do that on the fly. So um, <laughs> I think I think we should probably read the fact that Josh Fryer does wear number forty one and is the sixth offensive lineman when they go to those jumbo package packages means that he is the sixth offensive lineman in the rotation. So I guess I would be on slight alert for him to maybe get some run at, at guard. Just show up at number 70 if, this week? Yeah, and his actual jersey number. And if, assuming the game gets to the place where they feel like they can rotate a little bit there, because that's the other thing I ask, like, is that position different as opposed to like a receiver where you can limit snap counts and, and stuff like that? And I, th- I thought the answer would be that, yes, it is different. Ryan Day kind of said no. Like, we feel like we can rotate there if, if the opportunity presents itself. So yeah. I think that's on the table. They actually did that last year. Mm-hmm. Too much, not with great success. Yeah, to the point yeah. of uh, to the point of people. Yeah, that's why, being that's why I asked because it didn't really work. Yeah, <laughs> to the um, point of people being mad about it. Speaking of rotation, Berm, you wanted. Yeah, I'm not ready for it yet. Uh, you wanted to ask about Jordan Hancock, so let's get into an injury update. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that he didn't play, knowing that he is one of he's the biggest corner, and therefore you would expect him to be the most physical corner. And you saw Ohio State run Jair Brown out onto the field on Northwestern's first scoring drive of the day, like or right after that. So clearly they wanted those guys that are willing to get in there and mix it up a little bit. And J.K. Johnson has struggled with that. And so uh, thankfully, Jim Knowles was fairly to the point and said, hey, the field was a mess. We weren't going to risk it. And so that that's it. I mean, he played the last two weeks and played a lot pretty much, uh, uh, you know, against um, uh, close to 30 snaps, I believe, a week before. Yeah, at Penn State. So you start to think, OK, well, he should be good to go. But, you know, in Jim to Jim Knowles credit, the field was a mess and. I don't. I don't. I guess you don't. So risk did, it. didn't want to risk re-injury for Jordan Hancock, and I think you can safely lump Cameron Brown into that boat as well. Once they saw the weather forecast, and if you're if you're close, uh, you're going to err on the side of caution going into that game because of the disparity in talent. Now we wound up being a lot closer. I don't think it's because of the cornerbacks that were out there because they weren't tested, but um, that's going to be a more pressing concern. Uh, maybe not against Indiana on Saturday. Uh, but the following two weeks, two teams that are more capable of throwing the football. Uh, to me, it's just it, it's a potential issue. And again, as we've talked about everything in the last three weeks, November 26th is where everything is pointed toward, right? Uh, we've seen J.K. Johnson be reluctant to be physical uh, in the in the run game. Denzel Burke has played better the last couple of weeks, but he got a little bit banged up at the end of the game on Saturday. It seemed like he tweaked his ankle a little bit. So if you have... Cam Brown, who we know is physical in the run game, and Jordan Hancock, who's willing to be more physical in the run game, you're going to have to tackle guys against Michigan to win that game. So I just, I'm just looking ahead toward that, really, with that type of line, that line of question. Speaking of rotation, you said, huh? Yeah, rotation. Mm-hmm. Here's a. Qu- should we just, should we just walk? Should out we just video? leave? <laughs> Let you just do a soliloquy? We'll just rotate out of here. I, I'm per- I mean, people are tired of hearing me talk about it. I'm just not. I ask the questions, but I, I don't know what else to say. I mean. Well, here's the thing. The point you brought up uh, and asking both Ryan Day and Jim Knowles is if the goal is to have guys fresh in the fourth quarter and then you're in a game that is tight in the fourth quarter and the guys are fresh, why are they only playing half of the snaps in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. on, the game's most important, on the game's most important drive? Um, and we don't, we will not ever get like a firm answer to that. The answer is this is what Larry wants to do. It's his group. We let him do it. Yep. Jim Knowles, it seemed like he tried to take some of the blame, saying that he was the one calling the substitution packages. But that's a, I, I don't understand, because Ryan, Ryan Day talked about the packages, too. He's like, well, sometimes we're, we're playing big or we're playing pass rush. I'm like, that's fine. Why isn't JT Tuimelo part of all those? Because he's big, <laughs> and he's the best pass rusher. Yeah. So, okay, I tried to parse together their responses there to see 
how much they think that can be addressed and corrected by the end of the month. The part about the packages from Jim Knowles that I'm going to latch on to is that he said maybe they have too many of them. Because if you if that's the case and he's calling for them and Larry has decided to just completely scramble them up and not put his two best players on the vast majority of those packages, well, then Jim Knowles has to think about that in terms of his play calling. Again, he said the first part. I'm reading the tea leaves for the second part. He uh, did seem to say something without saying something. Yeah, a little bit. And um, that's at least... And both of them, like... I did not think that either one would just say, well, we're going to take this privilege of uh, or responsibility away from Larry Johnson down the stretch, and we're going to make sure that the two best players are on the field the whole time. I mean, they're not going to do that in the middle of the season, and Larry has a long enough track record that they're going to uh, let him do the job the way that he's always done it. But there's a limit to that. Uh, and I think that I know that they wound up you know, playing – a high volume of snaps over the course of a game. They played about 66% of the snaps. And that was a product of the number of plays that they had to play. But you can't on one hand say, hey, look, they played a lot, but still rotate in the first part of the game because you're you're saying that your preference is to have them ready to play in the fourth quarter and then not play them in the fourth quarter. And to me, it's just about ROI. I mean, it is a, is a slightly tired JT2 Moloa better than... Javante Jean-Baptiste, at a part of the game that if you get a first down and second down stop, the game is over, and you probably end up winning that game 35-7 to on Saturday instead of allowing Northwestern to go on an eight-minute drive that you know, really just sucked the entire air out of the balloon again. I personally think that clearly, even if, even if just allowing for the thought that they were tired at the end of the third quarter, when the quarter ended and it's third and two, at the 28-yard line, or the 18-yard line, if JT and Zach aren't out there, it's not about packages. It's about, we don't want these guys to be on the field right now, period. Not And we, I mean, whoever's making that final decision. Mm-hmm. So if that's the decision, then just say, that's the decision. Like, these are the guys. And what I think sucks sort of the air out of the argument is that, hey, give it seven points. Hey, well, it's, it's working. It's going to stop working at some point, and then there's but, going to be a problem. But yep. even the package argument to me, and like I'm glad that they made it, it adds another level of context to addressing this. Like Zach Bourne and I are taking a look at this drive specifically on Buck IQ on Wednesday. Um, there will be a lot of conversation about this, but like, why would the package, because the same four defensive linemen were on the field for third and two as we're on the field for first and 12 from the two? So, so which one's big? Which one's rush? Which one's so? Worse? You're gonna have to tell me why you thought the same package yep. applied to first and twelve from the two, and third and two. Because, like every time they answer it, it's like they they spill a, hun- a whole other ball of yarn, and you're like, what? I don't. How is this happening? I think that is the difficulty in trying to be diplomatic in your answers. Yeah. Um, in an honest moment, I think you'd probably get different answers. It's definitely causing me to lose sanity. <laughs> and if that's the goal... I'm just glad you finally have a gray hair. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, Welcome. A lot more coming. On the Welcome way. to the gray hair party. Is there any anything else that you feel... I want to go back to your very first okay. statement today. Let's do it. Is it IU or is it UI? I'm pretty sure it's University of Indiana, isn't it? Well, they, is it Indiana University? They, it's Indiana University okay, of Pennsylvania. At, at Bloomington. Yeah, yep. I, IUAB. And they, they cheer IU. Oh. 
right? But doesn't Oklahoma do it backwards? Oklahoma does do it. See, the University of Toledo used to be called Toledo University, and they would so it used to be TU. So there's like a segment of the fan base that still calls it TU, and Mm. they switched it like 20 years ago. Mm. But I'm just I was just not sure because you know when the when the letters are intermingled like that when they're intertwined, like I'm just not sure which one we're supposed to pay. I think it looks like a cactus. You live in Phoenix, right? Yeah, that looks like a saguaro. It's a fancy W. Yeah, that G is silent, folks. Saguaro. Yeah, it's not a saguaro. That's that's good information, America. Yeah. File that away. That's where we're going to uh, pull the plug on Snappy Jays for a Tuesday. We're going to have another round of them coming your way on Wednesday night. We'll be right back in the same building for a Woody Wednesday. A lot of other comment uh, content, excuse me, coming your way, including some stock watch on Wednesday on the daily. Uh, Buck IQ, as I mentioned, on uh, Wednesday at noon. We'll be surprised releasing that. We'll have some talking stuff on Thursday morning. Um, so yeah, lots of stuff coming. Lots of stuff coming. So uh, another day closer to Ohio State, Indiana, Saturday noon in the horseshoe. I appreciate you tuning in and joining and supporting us. That's Bill Burham. I'm Austin. We'll see you later.